if you would have told me, right, when I saw Bruce and, and, and now Bruce is, is younger than I am now at this point, 92, right? That he would do all, yeah, I would see him on tour with the E Street Band all these times, and he would do all these new albums. Like nobody would have thought that, right? <clears throat> we all kind of thought, all right, the reunion tour, that's great. We all we all got, you know, our last chance to kind of see the band together, and maybe they'll become like the Eagles or someone like that, and you know, go out and and do a greatest hits tour. And then he comes out with the Rising, right? And then what what was next? Then he had Magic. Right. And wrecking ball. And then you're throwing devils and dust in there. And And welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. And joining me uh, is my guest tonight, uh, Daniel Broderick. And Daniel is a new he, – he, he set a new milestone for me. And Daniel, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, and then I'm going to tell everyone what is unique about yourself. Sure. My name is uh, Dan Broderick. I grew up in Queens, New York. I'm 46 years old, and I'm a lifetime Springsteen fan. And the reason why Dan is so wonderful is we met via LinkedIn. I've gotten guests through Facebook. I have gotten guests through Twitter, uh, but this is my first guest through LinkedIn, um, and I am just thrilled that somehow this work Facebook, this this work social media where everyone's talking about it, and and just I'll be honest, Dan, the majority of the people who contact me are vendors wanting to sell me something. <laughs> That I got someone. That's I'm gonna like, do that next after right, the podcast. Exactly. When I send you my pitch. Yeah, and I just it was wonderful to have someone reach out and go, "Hey, I love Bruce Springsteen. Let's talk." So right. Uh, this is so great. I'm just so happy. Uh, I I always like to start at the beginning. So Dan, talk about growing up. Where did you grow up at, and what kind of music did your family listen to? Uh, when you were a kid? Sure. So I grew up in Queens, New York, and the uh, so I was born in 74. So right around 1984, when, when Born in the USA came out, I, it was when I really discovered Springsteen. Um, prior to that, it was kind of like a top 40, you know, Duran Duran, that type of music. Um, I have two younger sisters. <clears throat> my parents, my father, uh, was an electrician. My mother was a teacher's assistant. So kind of that working class um, family. My, my father, I like to say that we, um, I said that, you know, are we, um, are we lower middle class? And he would say, no, we're upper poor. So that, that's kind of where I came from. And um, my dad always liked the um, doo-wop music, you know, kind of the oldies. And I have, I have nightmares of driving back from my uncle's house and being stuck in traffic on the George Washington Bridge, listening to the Don Carey doo-wop shop at, um, 
you know, we're sitting in traffic on Thanksgiving night. Um, so that 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 was kind of like, you know, we weren't very a very musical family. There really wasn't anyone who played instruments or sang. But we we all liked to have the radio on. We were always singing and listening to music, you know, not very well. Um, and, you know, I kind of developed my own – I kind of always had the radio on, so I kind of developed my own sense of, of music um, from listening to, like, Casey Kasem's Top 40. And, that, and that's how I kind of um, – and then a little bit later on, I know we're kind of getting into to high school a little bit, but that's when I got into more of the classic rock like Led Zeppelin and um, The Who, The Doors, those kind of bands. Um, and then and then Springsteen was always a part of it, too. Um, I loved um, – so I'm a, I'm a few years older than you. I, I was born in 59, so okay. 74 is the start of, like, high school for me because I graduated in 77, so I might have been a sophomore. But Casey Kasem's American Top 40 – was must listening to on Sunday afternoons. Um, oh yeah, you know, it would start at noon. It would last to about three, and it, you know I would be laying there in my bed, uh, listening to my AM clock radio, uh, playing it, and just loving all the stories and all the songs. And and it, it in fact, I Sirius XM the 70s, you know, will replay those on weekends. And and I okay. just get totally I'm I'm captivated all over again by them, just to hear him tell those stories. We don't really and everything. have that. No. Do we still have that? We don't have like a top forty radio, and and they don't. Do they even do like the the top ten the video countdowns anymore on MTV? They don't even show it videos on MTV. Uh, you know, right? I so. I don't think so, Dan. And I um now I'm gonna do old man syndrome, right? It was a better day when, <laughs> but you you do have that where. Um, if when when you were you know you're ten or eleven, so you're just becoming to music um, consciousness. I was a, a sophomore in high school during this time. You know, you're listening to Top Forty Radio, and you could have heard everything. You could have heard, yeah. you know, uh, Ray Stevens' The Streak. You could have heard Foghat. You could hear. Um, Barry Manilow, you could hear Queen, you could hear the OJs, um, you know, just one-hit wonders and just all these different songs and mixed. And today, you know, just like our politics, uh, we pick which channel. Okay, I'm liberal, so I'm going to watch MSNBC. I'm conservative, so I'm going to watch Fox News. Um, you know, if you have Sirius XM, you, I, I'm on E Street Radio. That's probably about the only exactly. channel I listen to. Um, maybe the covers channel if I'm in a mood. And I also really like the road trip channel uh, when we're, like, okay. we're on a car trip because, you know, for the kind of things. But we don't listen to a top 40 station that would play all these different music. Nowadays, you are – you either have your own music that's on your phone and you can – you know, you have your own personal playlist – there just isn't that, and maybe because maybe teenagers still do, you know, go to a top forty station and listen. To that I, I don't know. I I don't know either. My my oldest is nine years old, so I think she, I think she does get some of that on the radio. But the same way, you know, we signed her up for for Spotify, right? So now she just listens to kind of the songs she wants to listen to. Um, it, it really it really did change. I I used to love telling her about. 
you know, when, when I listened to music, if there was a song I liked, you know, it, it wasn't, I would have to wait for it to come on the radio and then try to hit like record play at exactly the right time that it would come on and get the song and then, you know, and then stop it and then try to tape the next song I kind of wanted to listen to. It wasn't as easy as saying like, okay, let me check my phone and, you know, find the new Taylor Swift song, right? You would have to sit there and wait on the on the radio for that song to come on and then tape it um but yeah we, we, we sound really old now jesse we do sound old dan <laughs> but i am exactly i remember having my cassette uh, tape deck um you know that looks you know it, it's it's a rectangle right so uh mm-hmm. that has the buttons in front of it and the tape and so yeah like i can remember um Chicago's Color My World that has the really <laughs> long piano introduction, right? right. And I remember um, the DJ um, would time Talking it perfect. It? Would do at the very end um, would Color My World on KLOU, and then immediately the guy would go into his lyrics. Right? He would go, right. and I remember as a as a teenager going. Wow, how did he time that? You know, and now then you know there, you know, there's a readout. He knows how far along he is on the song, but um, yeah. that's uh, I, you know, I'll go one further. Um, I remember putting my cassette player uh, next to the TV speaker and taping a um, episode of The Partridge Family. <laughs> so I could hear it later, <laughs> you know, oh, much yeah. less a VCR. What is that? Right. Just the idea. That's right. that's that's crazy. Um. So you already talked a little bit about high school. You're you're you know you're discovering classic rock. You're kind of going through. Um. Dan, when did you discover Bruce, and and what about his music spoke to you? Sure. So. I would say my first discovery of Bruce was really that summer of 1984. And if if you remember, I mean, I'm sure you do, um, I was 10. And that was a big um, summer for the U.S. Olympics, right? If you remember, um, it, it, the Russia, it was the, the, um, the Olympics was in Los Angeles. And I guess they were the Soviet Union at the time had boycotted. And the United States won pretty much every single medal. So that was going on in the summer, and and I'm a I grew up in Queens, so I'm a big Mets fan. And 1984 was the first year that we were really um, a good team um, in, in my lifetime. Um, they had been terrible up until 1984, and and they really had a good team that year. So it was really kind of an exciting year for me between everything going on with the Olympics, with um, with the Mets, and then you have the Born in the USA album. And for a 10-year-old, that's like perfect Bruce music. You know, those are just great songs for someone that age to listen to and really enjoy. And and I always like to tell the story of my mom driving me out, uh, me and my sisters and friends, out to Jones Beach um, on Long Island. And, you know, it would be about 45-hour hour drive out to the beach and back. And I would spend the whole time, you know, those, you remember the buttons you would hit to change the channels? You would have the preset sure, buttons. Sure, absolutely. And you would press the buttons. And I would hit the buttons until I found Dancing in the Dark. And then I would listen to it, and then I would start the whole process over again. And I would just look for it. And I would drive everyone in the car crazy 
because I just wanted, you know, I, that that's all I wanted to hear. And I listened to that cassette tape over and over and over and over again. And I just loved every, every part of it. Um, and, you know, now, like looking back when, when I'm at a concert, right. And he plays songs from born in the USA, you could, you know, the old heads like me, kind of like a little grumbling, right. Like, Oh my gosh, he's playing cover me. I don't really need to listen to cover me again. Um, but, but, for for a kid that age, I mean that's that was that was just incredible. So so I really got into that album, and and there were certain elements of of it that I liked, right? So if you remember the Glory Days video, right? Nettles got me bottom of the ninth. Uh, so for a baseball fan to have the Glory Days part of it w- was great, and you know No Surrender, it, it, that's something that like a ten year old can kind of relate to, um, and, and enjoy. Even Dancing in the Dark. Um, I'm going down. You, you miss some of the deeper meaning to it, but it, it, you, you kind of you're able to get it at that age. And also, I kind of you know my father was an electrician, so he was a construction worker. So I always had that kind of sense of of like the working man. You know, that was a little bit glorified for me, um, looking at my father coming home from work. So I kind of always had that. You know, and Bruce has talked about that. Um, he talked about it on the Broadway show about his father being his hero and how he emulated that and the music, um, you know, he wore factory clothes because that's what, um, you know, his father did. And that kind of spoke to me a lot too, because I felt like he was talking about people who were like my father. Um, and, and I really, really, and that kind of spoke to me a lot too. And then, and then the great songwriting, I was always a big, I was always a big reader as, as a child. Um, and I, you know, I was an English major in college. I still read all the time and, and, you know, his lyrics are just, you know, out of this world. Um, so, so it was really that, that was what kind of got me at that young of an age. Right. But yeah. then what comes out next? Yeah. Cause I, I, you know, I, I've told this multiple times on the podcast that I was a casual fan at best, um, you know, picked up the river, um, did certainly like everyone else bought born in the usa and and loved all the hits um you know i i remember buying tunnel of love and kind of a little confused by it i mean i liked it exactly. but it certainly wasn't born in the usa too um and and just kind of casual till um, 2002, when I went to the Rising, was the first time I saw him on the tour, and okay. that was enough. Like seeing him <laughs> live, I, I it came be, became a, a casual fan to a passionate slash obsessive fan. Um, and and then and now then of course doing a podcast about him, um, Dan. There probably is not a subject that at a work meeting that I can't work a ref Springsteen reference in somehow. <laughs> and and, and now, we don't work together. Yeah, right? And, and so <laughs> my um, – and luckily my my boss finds it more charming than irritating. Um, and so I, that's another reason why I love working for this man because he just kind of looks at it like I just love you that you're that passionate about something. <laughs> Um, Give me a good example. Do you have a good example of, of when you threw out a Bruce line? Or... Um, so we were – boy, now you got me on the spot. Let me, let me think about yeah. it. I, I, I'll uh, tell you one for me. Okay, I, please. I, so why you think, think about yes, it. Please do. 
So one thing I like to say to, to people when when something happens at work that's difficult, I say you have to learn to live with what you can't rise above. I, that is great. I, I love that. <laughs> um, so what I did in I, I had to go to Manila um, several years ago to visit the contact really? center. Yeah, so uh, let's the, talk about that next. <laughs> yeah, so the company I was working for um, had a call center in Manila, and um, the second time I went, um, they pulled me aside and said, "Hey, Jesse, um, we we have a series of um, seminars that we anytime an executive from Dallas comes over, um, director or hire, we ask you if you're willing to make a presentation. Um, and we need you to do it twice. We need to do it for the day crew and the night crew um, because obviously in Manila, um, everyone who's in the contact center or customer facing works overnight, but like developers and other people work the day shift. And I, so absolutely, I'd love to. And so they, they had me answer some questions like what was your nickname as a kid and you know what were some weird jobs you had and then they said okay and then the rest of it's kind of up to you what do you want to talk about and so I I read the lyrics of better days and did a whole presentation on that I believe as people we tend to keep searching for the next win versus enjoying the journey. That if I get a promotion, then I'm going to be happy. If once I get the kids out of diapers, then I'll be able to relax. Once the kids go to college, then we can spend some time together. You know, once I get that raise, I said, instead of enjoying the journey, and that these are the better days, and I quoted the song, and I used that, um, and, it, and I got a really positive response from the team, uh, and they really enjoyed the personal side and the idea of to think things a little different. So um, I think that's that's an example of what I did um, and planned. So um, I love cool. your line, though. So I've I've been to the Philippines over forty times. Oh wow. Yeah, we have a, we have an office over there, and and I've been I've been many times. So they all know, yeah, they they all know about Bruce from me too. But he he's way too old, and you know, for them. Um, but but yeah, um, so 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 that's that's really that that's really cool that you were able to incorporate that with uh with with the folks over in the Philippines. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's it it is I I really have a lot of um, admiration. And I will tell people when I before I left the company, and I said, you know, that the team over there have a great heart and they truly care about providing an excellent job. And you just need to be able to understand the culture is so different there. Um, and listeners, I I promise we'll get to Bruce, but I don't get to often talk about this. You know, before I went to Manila the first time, I was frustrated. I would mute my phone and just would scream, like, why are they so passive? Why are these guys and gals just so passive? And and I'm just frustrated. Like, step up. Come on. You guys are you're – a, you're a supervisor. There's a manager over there. We need you to – you know, we're counting on you guys to do this. And so when I went over to Manila, Dan, um, you know, we're, we're – like – Hey Jesse, 
Mr. Jesse, do you want to go to lunch? I go, yeah, that's great. Sir and, Jesse. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, like, often, yes, Sir Jesse, you're very correct. And so the elevator would open, and they'd wait for me to go in the elevator first. I'm like, okay, well, that's nice. And then what's weird, though, is when the elevator opens, once again, they wait for me to get off the elevator first. I'm like, okay, guys, this is impractical. Yep, y'all are in front of me. Just go. And then um, they open the door to the, you know, parking lot, you know, the garage, and they open the door, and I've got to go first. I'm like, okay, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know which of your right. car, you know. But the the idea that they are so polite that there's no way they are going to do that. And um, so I learned when I got back to the U.S. to specifically say, um, you know, um, all right, um, you know, hey, James, will you take this task? Do you want to – are you comfortable taking this task on? Or, hey, you know, w- you know, Brian, what do you feel about this? And and they would speak up, and they would certainly do the task if you assigned them. But they truly right. were – if you're they're like, oh, Dallas should have first chance to volunteer for a task. You know, it's not our right. place to jump in. Um, did you have similar experiences going? Yeah, it, it, it did. It did take a little time to, to get people out of their shell. But, you know, I think a lot of it, like like you're saying, is when you go over there and when you actually meet them, I'm sure your interactions when you when you went back home to Dallas were a lot different yes. and a lot better after meeting in person and face to face. And they say, oh, you know, Jesse, he's he's a good guy. He, he's very likable. He's nice. He cares about us. So um, you, they'll communicate a lot better with you uh, once you bridge that that kind of distance. Um, so so yeah. So that 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 is a very very similar experience um, with and, that. And what was really nice, Dan, is um, I had been gone for the company probably a couple of years and. Uh, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. I'm fine now. Just throw that out there. But um, glad to hear that. But not glad that you got colon yeah, cancer. I'm glad you're but fine now. It was amazing the amount of posts on social media, Facebook, from my friends at Manila. That you know yeah. signs like you've got this, Jesse. Kick cancer's ass, Jesse. And um, and I still every once in a while will get a Facebook message. From someone like you know, you know, hey Jesse, just wanted to check, you know, are you doing okay, or um, do you have a couple of minutes to give me some advice? And uh, it it's just a really fun. Um, it, it it was one of my best experiences. I really appreciate that I was able to spend time over there. That's great. That's yeah. great. But 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 back to Bruce. I yes. kind of had the same experience with you with Tunnel of Love because I guess I was probably about 13 and I right. remember I got the album for Christmas and I'm kind of like what do I do with this thing? Like where is yes. all the rock music? Like you know, what's going on? And then Bruce was really on a hiatus um until 92. Exactly. Um, when when he came back and that was when I kind of got into him again when that new album came out. And I really started going back and discovering I, – I mean I had had – so I had Born in the USA and I had Born to Run. Um, but I remember hearing – I think on NEW, WNEW, um, I remember hearing like Spirit in the Night. 
and thinking like, oh my goodness, I was driving in the car and I was like, this is like the greatest thing I've ever heard. Like, I can't believe, I can't, this is like so great. So I, you know, I went and I drove to the record store and I bought Greetings from Asbury Park. And I do remember somehow years back, a friend of mine, I'm, I must have been in high school at the time, but a friend of mine's father had um, uh, rec- the record of um, The Wild, The Innocent and the Eastery Shuffle. And I would listen to the, the second side of that, or, you know, with, um, with Incident and Rosalita and New York City Serenade. And I would listen to that over and over and over again. We, we were staying with him for the weekend or something. And, and I must have worn out the, you know, the ridges on that, on that album, listening to it. So, so it, it happened pretty quickly once that new album came out and, and, you know, I bought all of the past catalog and kind of caught up. And then a friend of mine, who I played high school football with, his brother was one of our coaches, was a big Bruce fan, took me to my first show on August 9th, 1992 at the Brendan Byrne Arena. Um, so my first time seeing Bruce was not with the, it was not with the E Street Band. It was with, I don't think that band has a name. I, I usually well, call it the Saturday Night Live Band. Well, um, um, what many people call it is, and with air quotes, the other band. And the other uh, band. and and many of my uh, guests, um, and and I, I hope I don't, I hope I don't change, say something wrong for you, but most of the people talk about, you know, Jesse, that band doesn't get enough credit. That was a pretty good band. If you got to see that show, uh-huh. they were a pretty good show. They weren't the E Street Band, but they get, you know, they get kind of short shift so this is your first show what do you think about him well like to me i didn't even care i cared about right. bruce right? exactly like, right you know everyone else was like you know they were minor minor players um now except for clarence right um yeah. if you if you remember i don't know if you've seen any tapes of the show but um and and i, I apologize I, I can't remember her name but there was a woman who was a backup singer and i think she actually she actually toured with Billy Joel too, and she would do the sax on the yes. Born to Run part, and that was the only time the sax appeared. Um, the rest of the time was, was the band. But you know what? I, like I said, I'm not from a musical point of view. I don't have a great musical ear. Um, it's it's really the lyrics I like. So honestly, if it were you know Nils versus whoever the guitarist was, or you know Max versus whoever that drummer was, it, it, it's really hard. It, it's hard for me to. Um, to say, I think a lot of it was, you know, people seeing this new band when they were expecting to see the, the E Street favorites that that kind of threw them off. Um, but it, it didn't. Honestly, it didn't really matter to me. I was there to see Bruce. Um, so so I saw Bruce uh, then. And then when I was in college, a friend of mine, it was my freshman year in college. A friend of mine lived in Philly. He's like, come on, let's drive back, drive down to Philly. And drive, we were in D.C., drive up to Philly. And we saw Bruce at the Spectrum twice. Um, and then I was lucky enough, well, I mean, to get tickets to see the two shows that he did. He did um, the Chris and Ann Carr show, I believe it was called, and he did a show which is Satan's Jewel Crown, I think is the title of the bootleg. I think it's officially been released now by um, on Nugsnet, but it was he did one show. It was I believe it was June 24th and one June 26th. One at the Brendan Byrne and one at the um, the Garden. And the Brendan Byrne was when uh, Clarence came back 
and Clarence did the sax for Born the Run and Yeah, and, that famous um, where Tenth Avenue. Yeah, where they came out and saw that. Um so yeah. I, I So was, I was at that show. Yeah. Oh great show. Yeah. And the coolest part of that show, I would say, was it was the first time I heard This Hard Land live. Mm-hmm. So he played This Hard Land live at that show, um, and, and w- which was awesome. And then if you remember, and I, you know, I don't know, the, the show at the Garden, everyone was kind of geared up for, for, for Clarence and, and the E Street guys to come out, and he brought out Terrence Trent Darby. Do you know this story? No, no, share. Oh, so he brings out – so everyone's geared up. They think Clarence is going to come. Now, Kristen Ann Carr was the – is the she passed away. Right. But she was Dave Marsh and Barbara Carr, I think her name is. Yes. Um, who's Right. So Bruce's biographer and his manager, they were married. This was their daughter who had died, and Bruce was doing this concert to raise money for her for her fund, her, her foundation right. or whatever they exactly. had. And apparently, Terrence Trent Darby was like her favorite singer. So Terrence Trent Darby comes out to play, and um, when he comes out, Bruce says, oh, I'd like to bring out a good friend of mine. Come on out, Terrence. And people think he said Clarence. Oh, no. Yes, okay. And Terrence Trent Darby comes out, and I can't remember exactly what song they sang, but it was a slow song. It might have been something like Many Rivers Across or something along those lines. And then they did a great version of Joel Blonde after that. But people booed, and Bruce was mad. Like, he was pissed. Sure. And he kind of rushed through the rest of the set a little bit, and he was really, really angry that, you know, that his guest was that his guest was booed. Um, so, so, yeah, if you ever want to go back and do some research on that, it, it, was, it was very, very um, – yeah, it was a little bit sad, um, but it was, it was kind of a, um, a memorable show. Um, for that reason, back in back in uh, that would be ninety three. That would have been nine, July June of ninety three, as the um, tour was wrapping up. That's great. So I always like to preface the podcast that I do not believe the amount of times you've seen Bruce live is a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are, because a lot of this is depending on your age, your economic situation, mm-hmm. where you look, where you live. But for the record. Are you someone who counts the number of shows? And if you I are, how many? Count. Okay. I lost count at some point, but it's over 80. Okay. So it's over 80. And I kind of hit the – as you say, it's, a lot of it's timing. So I live, in the, I live in the New York area, so I have lots of opportunities, right? It's, it's easy to go to Jersey, Madison Square Garden. I've seen them in Philly plenty of times. I went to college in D.C., so I've seen them in D.C. a lot. I've gone to Hartford. Albany, Boston, um, so so basically where I live makes it makes it pretty easy to yeah. see him quite often. And I was in, well, I was in when he did the majority of his recent touring. I was at a good age to have disposable income to buy tickets to go see him. I, I my wife and I didn't have children until I was thirty six years old. So, you know, I had a lot of time there where the two of us were both working and, and um, you know, earning a good living. And, you know, I had that disposable income, and, and that's really where I spent it on, on Bruce shows. Were you um, – is she a fan? No. Okay. 
y'all have a mixed marriage as well as like like I do. <laughs> yeah, she's seen him a few times. She's yeah. she's come a few times with me. Yeah. Um, but but no, she's not a fan. Mm-hmm. So when I went to see him on Broadway, I, you know, she didn't go with me, but she watched the Netflix. Okay. Um. And, oh, and you like this? You know, I bought my tickets for Bruce on Broadway mm-hmm. in a van in Manila. Wow. Yep. Yeah. I got the code, so it's twelve hour difference, right? So right. I get the exactly. code that says I have a chance to buy tickets. So I'm sitting in this van. We're going to pick up clients at the airport, and I'm in this dark van because it's it's ten o'clock at night. And I, I had my strategy to go see him on Broadway. I'm like, I'm gonna try to go in the middle of the run, um, and I'm going to pick a Tuesday night, right? Because I'm like, all right, yeah. most people are gonna try for the weekends, and I'm like, you know what? And and I'll I'll go for the expensive tickets because everyone's gonna want the cheaper ones. So um, face value. So I I pull up two tickets in this van. Face value seven hundred and fifty dollars each. And I'm kind of like you know what like I, I you know I can't do this. This is too much money. Right. My wife's gonna kill me. This is ridiculous. Right. I can't do it. Um. But then I'm like you know what like I'm in this van in Manila. And this is my chance to get these tickets. And if I throw these back and try to get cheaper ones, like I might not be able to do it. So whatever, I'll just buy them. <laughs> yes. So so I went ahead and, and did it. And I, you know, and a friend of mine, you know, took the other ticket, so I didn't have to pay for pay for both. And it, it was definitely worth it. I mean, it was worth yeah. the money. It was that was some my friend who's who's been with me to see him often. He hasn't gone as many times about as I have, but he's seen twenty five, thirty concerts. Yeah. Said he would trade all of them. To go see, you know, for for the Broadway one. That, that's um, how good the Broadway one was. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get a ticket, and my lovely wife was like, "Yes, you can go." And um, and yeah, it was it was just something special. Um, by the yeah. way, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there is a website called mybosstime.com. Okay. Um, if you go to mybosstime.com and you can create a free account. And then it has every concert, every tour, every show Bruce has done. And so if you go there and you go, I was there, and you select it, the database um, ends up building it. And so it tells you, like, you know, I've gone, uh, you know, I, I've attended um, 16 shows. But it also okay. tells you what songs you've heard. What are your rare songs? Ah. What are personal premieres? Uh, what percentage per albums? Like what songs of each album you've heard? <laughs> um, oh, it is. I'm telling you right now, Dan, that this is a rabbit hole that you will go yes. curse that Jesse Jackson. But I am so happy that I'm doing this. So, yes. What's the site again? It is mybosstime.com. Okay. Um, Elko is the guy who designed it. He's been on the podcast. Absolutely wonderful guy. And, uh, you know, it is like, just really quickly, um, like, uh, I was there in Pittsburgh when the, when the River Tour opened. He played Rebel Rebel. He's only played yeah. it once. I got to hear it. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, he's played Jump. Twice the Van Halen cover. I was at one of those. Okay. You know, okay. so um, he's done the wall only 12 times. I got to hear it once. Um, you okay. know, so it, yeah, so there's a list of your, um, you know, going from where he's only played it once to like something like um, 
one step up. He's only played it 59 times, and I was lucky enough to hear it once. So, really? Um, yeah. You've only played that 59 yeah. times? I know. Isn't that crazy? That's so, crazy. Because that's yeah. one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. And so he, he – I was I, – I know um, the story is he was in Houston on the, um, the High Hopes tour, and mm-hmm. um, someone had a sign – that requested it and said that had not been played by the full E street band since the, you know, uh, tour, uh, tunnel of love tour. And so, um, in, in you can, if you Google it, you can see, um, you know, um, where he'll say in, we do not know this, sir, you have made your bed and he starts playing it and you'll hear him say, um, you know, come in lightly and uh you know and because he starts out just himself and then patty comes over and sings a little bit and you can see the band just slowly okay yeah we can fill in here we can fill in here it's pretty special uh-huh. yeah that's, that's awesome. awesome yeah um so anyway uh if you go to my boss time um you can uh it will maybe remind you of shows you've gone and that way you can have a list and it's also just kind of fun to see like the only song that I I've seen him 16 times, the only song that he's played every time is the Rising. Don't know why that's really? important or not, but that's not born to run. Not born to run because when he did the Devils and Bad Dust, Man? when he did Devils and Dust, the show I saw him, oh, he right. didn't do Born to Run. That's true. That's right. If you count it, yeah. If you count the Devils and Dust, and if you count like Tom Jode before that. Then yeah, you're gonna run into some like Badlands and and Born to Run that that you wouldn't get. But that's interesting that the Rising is the, well, and I think I, it's. I, go ahead, Dan. No, I was gonna say I don't think that that it, with my history over those years that there's been a song that I've heard every single time. I don't think that's possible. Yeah, it, it probably isn't, and um, and I think a lot of it is because. The Rising was the first tour I saw him mm-hmm. on, and so therefore, um, you know, that's a song he likes playing. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, what led me to find you um, on LinkedIn is you did a pretty entertaining and thought-provoking post talking about Taylor Swift and Bruce. So I won't ask you to to do the whole article, but talk to me a little bit about the highlights and what you were sharing about that post, because I thought it was fascinating. Sure. So one of the things that, you know, if you're in sales or recruiting like I'm in, one of the things that 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 we talk about all the time is personalization. Right. When you when you speak to someone, when you talk to someone, you you want to make it personal for them that you're that you're making a connection um, with them as their salesperson. Right. That's that's the way you're going to sell. That's the way you're going to recruit people. It's It's not possible unless. You, you know, you're able to, to get that person in that moment and they say, yeah, this person gets me. This person understands what I'm, what I'm looking for in my career, what motivates me. And I, when I'm, when I would do my, my training, what I would try to get people to do is, is visualize, um, their, their favorite artist, right? And what grabs them from that artist. And, and, 
Springsteen, Bruce has a, has a very interesting quote about Taylor Swift. I, I'll just read it quickly. He says, Swift's audience experiences her songwriting very, very personally, and I think she is speaking to them very, very personally. And my point was that Taylor Swift has millions and millions and millions of fans, but the fans there, her fans feel like she wrote those songs for them, um, that she's singing this song about them. And that's how we feel about Bruce, right? Like, you know, Jesse, like you, you might say, you know what, like I listen to, to Born to Run or I listen to The Rising and I feel like Bruce, like he really understands where I'm coming from. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, I listen to The Promised Land, right? And The Promised Land is a song that like speaks to me. But then I see there's, you know, thousands and thousands of other people and they feel the same way. Um, you know, about the promised land. And it's just a way that you're able to make that connection, that personal connection, is really what I was trying to get at. And I think you're spot on, Dan. For in, in, I personally love the movie Blinded by the Light. I know uh, some fans thought there was a little cheesiness to it, but I loved that movie, the idea that a teenager in the United Kingdom in the um you know in the you know late 80s um felt like bruce was speaking to him right the idea mm-hmm. that here's this 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 usa rocker from the east coast speaks to this young man that you know is growing up in the uk um and i do it is uh, there there are so many songs that um, and and I sure uh, people that are that are Elton John fans. There are people that are you know Jason Isbell fans. There are people that uh, Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, name whoever you are, Michael Jackson. I'm sure they all have a connection. But it feels to me, and I'm biased because I do a Springsteen podcast, that there is a little more of a personal connection between Bruce's fandom and 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 the the way they feel about his music. I, I agree. I, and again, I'm, I'm biased as well, but I just feel, and I feel like it, it's that personalization that, that, that he has that magic trick, whatever it is. And I think Taylor Swift has it too. It's for, it's for a different audience, but um, if, if you watch her fans and they're experiencing what she's singing in, in a way that it is very, very, you know, un, unusual and very, it just shows like her talents and her gifts. And I, and I feel that, you know, for, for maybe like our generation, it, that's, that's Bruce. And, and the way he was, the way he's just able to, it, it's, it's a magic, right? He says it in Broadway, it's his magic trick. You know, whatever, whatever that magic trick is that he has, he's able to do. And, and I'm convinced it's because of that personalization aspect of it. And, and how do you, you know, so how do you look at Bruce and bring that into into your life as, you know, whether it's doing sales or doing recruiting or whatever your your career is? And, and I think you need to look at, say, OK, when when I'm talking to someone, you know, are, are they are they did they get the sense that I understand them? Right. Whereas that's that's how you and I feel about about Bruce. You know, the other thing I like to bring up to bring up about Bruce when I'm doing training is how he never mails anything in. Right. Like the emotion and the energy he puts into like every single song to everything he does is, is what you need to try to do too. you know, when you're working, like think about when you're making your phone calls, it's, it's just like being on that stage, 
right? And and you need to put there's you can't waste Bruce doesn't waste a song, right? When you see him in when you see him in concert, every single song um, he sings like his life depends on it, and that's in a way if you're able to do that in that you know while you're working and and when you're making your sales calls, if you're doing it like your life depends on it, you're going to be very successful. Yeah, I think that's a is a lot of insight and and also the idea right that um the he is passionate he puts everything in the show he he is not afraid and i also um that you he's flexible like i will talk mm-hmm. at work and and like well you know i don't know about this the plan and i'm like okay i understand that Sometimes we have to. Th- I said, sometimes Bruce will have a. He's he's having a show that doesn't seem to be working. He just isn't connecting to the audience, and he and little Steven will look at each other and like, okay, we got to throw out the set list. You know, we got to right. we got to throw something. We just got to pull something from our. You know, either a a cover of some favorite rock and roll song, or something obscure. You know, from an early album, and we just need to do things a little bit different. Because mm-hmm. uh, we got to shake things up, and, and I think that's um, a good example. And and I love the idea of you're saying, like, are you connecting? Are you? One of the things that we talk about in um, in the contact center where I'm I work, where where all of I've worked, is sometimes when you call into a contact center, um, the, you know, you're going to go through the things. I, I need to verify your name, need to verify your address, need to verify your account number, need to verify your phone number. Um, okay, let me, you know, now then that I've gotten all this information, how can I help you, Dan? And, uh, you know, and I had a boss said, when when you don't ask first, how can I help you, Dan? What do you need? Um, and then verify all the data. I'm saying, I want to talk about what I want to talk about first. Then I'll mm-hmm. talk about what you want to talk about versus when you go, okay, I want to talk to you about what you want to talk about. Um, I will not name the company, um, but um, last we had a lady call me through, through LinkedIn, and she's like, um, hey, you know, we, uh, I have a company that has a, um, a product that um, – it connects to the phone system you're using and would you mind just spending a few minutes um, talking letting us talk about your system and what you're doing and will you visit I said absolutely I'm okay and um, 25 minutes into it he had not stopped talking once had not asked me he asked a few questions at the beginning and then just rolled he had this is my demonstration this is what i could do and about 20 25 minutes into it i was like okay i don't care if this is the greatest product ever i have no interest in this anymore i'm bored stiff you know and mm-hmm. I, and i politely got over the conference call um and you're when you see and and right taylor swift is not uh, the music that I listen to, though I've heard nothing but great things about it, and I probably she's am doing, wonderful. I'm doing myself a disservice by not, um, you know, you exploring are. more. Um, but you see the way her fans connect with her, and then you see her, like when she was on Ellen's show, telling about Bruce coming back backstage, 
and playing yeah. Dancing in the Dark for her and signing her guitar. Um, how can you not adore her? And she's right. just she's a talent, and she's just really well done. Um, thanks. That's that's very interesting. And um, you know, and just one thing like when I Please. think of Bruce's personalization, right? The one song that always jumps in my mind is Philadelphia. Like I really feel that that's a song that he was able to put himself into, um, you know, the Tom Hanks character in, in, in the movie, right? Here's this this gay man who's dying of AIDS, and at a time when, you know, I think the, the, the tide was turning and people were becoming a lot more sympathetic um, to, to, to people in that, you know, gay folks with age, right? For, for a while, that was they were very ostracized, right? And then Bruce comes along and writes this song about this person, and he's just able to, to get inside of, of what this person could potentially be thinking and feeling. And the, like the, the amount of empathy that that he has is, is it's like unreal and he, he it's almost like he gifts it to you right like here it's almost like here dan like i know that you're gonna hear news and hear people talking about things about you know uh, about the aid situation but here's how a person with it feels right and he and he kind of lays that out for you and and that's something that i that that always sticks in my mind when i think of his personalization when um, on an earlier podcast um, several years ago um, Bella Pori who's been on the show multiple times um, she found Bruce through Philadelphia um, okay she is she is a lesbian and that connect and um, the and I talked about it then I remember when Siskel and Ebert which um for our younger listeners, um, used to be the film critics on TV. Absolutely. Uh, and they were doing Philadelphia, and while they were recording, you know, reviewing the film, they also revealed, they talked about Springsteen doing that song. And they both mentioned that as far as they knew, that was the first mainstream rock star to sing a song from the perspective of a gay man. And mm -hmm. they thought that was amazing. Um, and it is, uh, you know, and then you forever, right? The, the, the story that he tells that is, you know, a classic that, you know, he records it, he wins the Oscar and he comes home and his father looks at it and says, I'm never telling anyone what to do with their life ever again. <laughs> So, uh, which is nice, which is, yeah. And, and I also, I, I found that especially poetic, um, after reading his biography and listening to Broadway of how much he adored his father and how, um, Independence Day, right, was a song I did not care for. I didn't hate it. It just wasn't a song, Dan, that I thought a lot about oh really till i saw it live on the river tour and when he talked about this is two people loving each other and just don't know how to tell it to each other um it uh -huh. clicked to me it clicked to me because you know i have a 31 year old son and we have gone through our struggles um you know both as he was a teenager and he's a young man and uh you know i've seen my wife and him's you know struggle and especially teenage and college years and you 
that just spoke to me as you just talked about it 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 felt like it was you wrote that about us and mm -hmm. it, it wasn't it was about him and his dad but it felt like it could have been written for my family yeah it's a it's a that's his magic trick that's it his is magic his magic trick. trick absolutely um you've you've shared a little bit but are there other favorite stories from either on attending shows or their songs that mean a lot to you and your family? Uh, well, my wife, so my wife and I, our wedding song is Happy. Oh, that's nice. From, the, from Tracks, yeah. So that's kind of our, that's our wedding song. So that's kind of a special song um, for us. Um, you know, my, my daughter, she's not really a big Bruce fan. I wouldn't say we have, you know, like songs that, 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 you know, from, from a family point of view, but, you know, I have so many stories from, from going to see shows. Um, you know, um, I was at the Philly Elvis show. Do you know the, from, did you see the movie? Um, I'm sure you did. Um, I, was it Bruce and me? Was that? I guess Springsteen and I, and I have had, Springsteen Philly, and I. I have had the Philly Elvis on the show. Have you really? Yes, okay. I have. So I'm at this show with my with my friend Andrew, who's from Philly, right? And he's he's a he's a big Bruce fan too. And um, and the Philly Elvis comes up there, and the two of us are like, "Get this guy off the stage! Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I don't want to see this clown up singing Elvis, right? I want I'm here to see Bruce. I, I drove all the way from from you know Connecticut to, to Philly, but it turned out to be a great story. I told Andrew when we. You know, I'm like, you got to watch this. You're going to laugh so hard. You know, and he has the thick, you know, I have the New York accent, but he has like the thick Philly accent. And he's sitting there eating a cheesesteak with his wife. And it was just, it was just, it, that that was just a, a great moment. I, I will tell you uh, a classic, um, you know, could have been moment um, was one of my favorite songs that I never heard. I have n not heard him play is um, Hey Santa Ana from you know that's on tracks and i had an old bootleg version of it and a, my my friend andrew said hey i can get us tickets it was i believe it was the devils and dust tour and he's like but you know it was it was the day of he's like you know you want you want to come up come down see it and we'll, you know we'll go to the show but it was kind of like uh eh, you know i'm gonna have to pay for a train ticket to get down there my wife's probably going to give me a hard time it's it's the devils and dust so we're just going to sit there it's not like we can you know hang out and Right. You know, drink beers and talk and, you know, have, have a good time together. So I'm like, ah, what do you think? And, you know, we kind of discussed it. And we're like, ah, forget it. We, you know, we won't go. So, of course, he plays Thundercrack and Hey Santa Ana along with um, the new timer on the um, – what was the, the harp he played? You know the song, the new yeah. timer? Yeah, absolutely. He played it on – what was the instrument he played it on? I can't remember what it was called right. again. Yeah, I don't remember either, but I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he did a killer version of that, and, and I missed it. Um, so I, I, I still kick myself for not going to see that uh, it, show. I um I don't have one of those, but I do have um. I love this is your sword from High Hopes. I just I think uh -huh. it's it's I, it's just one of my favorite songs, and um. He was it, that show in Houston where he did One Step Up, and um, the set list showed he was going to start with This Is Your Sword. And Tom Morella said, hey, we're in Houston. You should start with Seeds. Oh, yeah, we should. And uh... he crosses out and plays Seeds. And I'm like, okay, 
the last time I was in Houston, he played Seeds. It's not one of my favorite songs. And I could have had the song, like, what of my, because um, I'm going to ask you in a minute, you know, like songs you're chasing. Uh, we did. Um, you also, really early in the episode, you talked about fans that kind of roll their eyes like oh he's doing a song from born in the usa he's doing cover me oh please you know um at that houston show um he pulled a sign request for no surrender and my oh my gosh so my friend sam um is just groaning oh i can't believe no surrender so um I need you to – this is your homework, Dan. Um, Google Flores Brothers, No Surrender, Houston, 2014. Okay. And you will see the definition of joy. Those two <laughs> boy, those two kids, uh, they're both college age. They know every lyric. They, they dance and sing – the whole song they meet every band member and the band members are all loving them being there and afterwards my friend sam says okay i'm gonna eat my tongue this is this is the definition of joy i cannot believe that i was worried about seeing that so you you never know with bruce when something you would think oh i don't need to hear that again becomes magical because of the circumstances that's true yeah. That is true. But there, um, there are certain songs I could definitely do without at a concert. Oh, absolutely. Um, the the problem is we all have a different set of songs, right? I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Um, I, one of my very early podcasts, um, I had a guest, and I, I said that, you know, I would be happy with an audience. I would be happy with a set list that started with Tunnel of Love going forward. And he said, I would be happy with the set list that started with Darkness and went backwards, <laughs> where he didn't play anything after Darkness. Yep. You know, and... I'm with uh, him. Yeah. Yeah and, they, yeah, and I and I get that. I get that totally. Um, though I did... Uh, my I, I had a couple of people go, you know, your set list would make some really rarities, you know, because there's a lot yeah. you can't normally play. So that's good. Well, this is a great segue, Dan. Are there songs that you haven't heard live that in 2021, when he gets the road, please, we have a vaccine. We have – we get back to a little bit of normalcy. Are there songs you haven't heard live that you hope to hear sometimes? Yeah, Hey Santa Ana is a big one. Now that yeah. that's going to be a tough one to get, right. but you never know. I've never seen Bishop dance, and he played that in Newark, and I was in. I would have been there, but I was in the Philippines, so I missed him doing uh, Bishop dance, which 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 I would have liked to see. Um, you know that that that's about. Oh, I never heard Wild Billy Circus story. Okay, those are all three like solid. Those are solid choices. Yeah. Okay. Everything um, else, I think I've pretty much heard. Okay, that's good. That's pretty good. Um, Dan, this has been a blast. I've had so much fun. I hope you've had a good time. Uh, before I get you out of here, though, i got to ask you the Mary question. So for okay. people who have never listened to the podcast, first, welcome. Um, secondly, uh, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher out of the Philadelphia area. 
um, every year in his senior class, in their honors English class, they spend two days breaking apart Thunder Road as a poem. They look at all the lyrics, they look at the imagery, they look at what themes Bruce is exploring. Uh, they compare this to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken, among other poetry. And at the end of the two days, uh, Jay looks at the class and their um, question, and they write a paper on it, is, does Mary get in the car? at the end of Thunder Road. So Dan, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Of course not. Okay. Do you want to expand your answer? I don't I don't, I don't know. I was you know, uh, part of me thinks she does because then in a sense she goes on this on this journey, right? If you think of Born to Run the whole album as a day, right? And it starts in the morning at Thunder Road and it ends at the night in Jungle Land. And you almost think she comes along for this journey. But at the same time, Thunder Road and, – and Thunder Road is probably – if I had to say what song have I listened to more than any other song in my life, it would be Thunder Road. Um, and I've, I have like – I used to have a, a box – a tape – that I'm I'm really going off on a tangent here, but I had a tape of all the different versions of oh, nice. Thunder Road. Like, like it was like the Wings for Wheels, right? The the one the early one that he did, and there's the one about uh, it's like the slow kind of dark version, right? Uh, with Chrissy's dress yes. face, right? And um, you know, there's the acoustic versions that he plays, and there's the one he did on the piano at, at for live seventy five to eighty five. But I almost feel like it's like this mystical it's it's like this mystical song where um it, it, it it's like Mary is this is is never gonna be attainable, I feel. And or at least not yet. And I I think that it's not until later on in life and if you look at his songwriting and it starts to happen a little bit on, on darkness and it continues especially with 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 the river and then into Nebraska is you get a more realistic songwriting of of, of Bruce and 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 what happens um, to his characters and in his life. So if I had to answer that question, my my answer would be she does not get in the car, not because she's not ready, but because Bruce isn't ready, and Mary is not a real person to him. But is this um, this someone that she that he puts on a pedestal who isn't real? But it's a great pitch he gives. I mean, you know, yeah. for, for, as far as the sales pitch goes, at the end it's quite good. Um, so, so that's my thought. And but I will say that I did in college write a paper English called uh, Flannery O'Connor, Bruce Springsteen, and the Meanness in This World. Nice. And I compared the short stories of Flannery O'Connor to the Nebraska album. Very cool. And yeah, so I, I did a lot with like place and Catholic imagery and and yeah, it was kind of a cool paper. Yeah, um, that sounds like a good paper. And that is a excellent uh, Mary question answer. Good job, sir. I hope Very so. Nice. <laughs> no, it's good. Very good. I love What do that. most people say? Do most people say she gets in? Um, I think – and I actually did an episode um, – earlier this year where I took about 40 people's answers and all weave them together. And then I had okay. Jay Armstrong on the show again and we discussed all the answers. Uh, right. So um, majority of women say yes. 
okay. probably about 60-40 split. Um, I will give you a couple of my favorite answers. Uh, one guy okay. said um, no because she isn't ready, but later um, down the road when he's grown and he's better, they do get together. Um, okay. Someone has said that absolutely she gets in the car and they drive to California and Moonlight Motel is him mourning Mary's death. That oh my they, goodness. They've spent their life together. Um, okay. Uh, someone else has said yes, that um, in fact, racing in the street when she says she's at her daddy's porch, um, yep. that is the same porch that's on Thunder Road. Okay. Yeah, uh, and you can connect that to the to the river too. Yes, right. right. That yes, because yeah, other people said that absolutely because that's how else would have Mary gotten pregnant, right? Yeah. Um, my, I, one of my favorites is, and I, obviously I can't remember everyone, and so if I'm if I'm giving your answer, I, I apologize not remembering your name, dear listener, but um, a guy said it depends when the band does it thunder road the band does it that is yes because the end is so majestic and that band and uh-huh. it is a it is a song of triumph when right. he does it acoustical she doesn't because the sadness and the way he kind of na 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 that's him driving away without her and, and I love that. I, I love that too. And um, Mike, I have a good friend named Bob Bland um, who does a couple of podcasts, and he says the Mary question has become your um, the show like Actor Studio. The guy at the end of Actor Studio had a set of questions. That's what Mary question has become for you, and it has. It is. I, I end every podcast with it. Um, in fact, I was so happy. I when I had just recently Maureen Van Zant on the show, um, I okay. was so thrilled. I asked Maureen, and and she's like, she she actually gave it, you know, she's like, yeah, I think she does, and I, and she she talks a little bit about the show, so uh, the song about uh, why she thought she does get in this uh, there, and she says I'm a romantic, so of course I think she does, um, so yeah. And and I think right. I the, wish you would have left that four four two is going to overheat in it though. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. Dan, are you on any social media at all? And if so, please share if you're on Twitter or something so that the, my guests can reach out to you. Yeah, just on LinkedIn. That's that's okay. the only place to get me. Okay. Yeah. If, if anyone wants to wants for any reason wants to contact me, please do. I'm on LinkedIn. If you want to talk Bruce or the Philippines or yeah. growing up in Queens or the Mets, please yeah. reach out. Or recruiting. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And uh, yes. Please reach out, and if you do, tell Dan you heard about him on the podcast. Dan, I, this was a blast. I, I appreciate it. The hour went very quickly. Thank you so much for uh, telling me your stories, and and we'll have to do this again sometime. We will. Thanks so much, Jesse. It was great. All right. Thank you, listeners. You stay safe. Remember to wash your hands. Remember social distance. As the man says, wear an effing mask. Take care of yourself, and we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. 
We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.